The Question, a podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host. So I'm here with Drexel Senior by Shira Williams. And we're talking about all the things, really, <laughs> as it relates to film and diversity, because Baishira has done a lot of work by way of looking at black representation, reclaiming black history, uh, looking at gender, looking at bodies. And so we've just gotten into all of these conversations. Like one of the things that you and I have been talking about a lot are some of the changes that we've been seeing within the past year, like the Harvey Weinstein explosion in late 2017 mixed with get out success which i know was earlier in 2017 but black panther magic yeah and i feel like this year more than ever i've seen more diversity Mm -hmm. or i at least feel like i have more choices like what were the movies that you remember kind of marking your childhood (laughs) i love rom-coms which again it's very conflicting for me as a feminist but like this is the most wonderful day of my life a man of my very own. Oh. You must bring me to him at once. My mom <laughs> loves JLo rom-coms. Like, that, and then, like, When Harry Met Sally, You've Got Mail. Like, all of those are, like, her favorite things. So I watched a lot of them growing up. Well, for a while, like, rom-coms weren't selling. Like, there was a whole thing about, like, the death of the rom-com. And you go into those movies thinking, like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is one where they're going to explode the binaries. Right. This is one where they're going to, like, tear apart these ide- these anxieties we have about our bodies, about our sexuality. And then you, like, sit and you watch and you're like, oh, no. no. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> they're just going to, like, kind of wink at the problem in, like, right. a nice, fun, post-feminist way. I mean, like, the first movie that I remember seeing in theaters and being like, this has changed my life, was Fruitvale. So what about Fruitvale Station, like, opened up... The world of cinema for you. This is like that weird thing of like a movie versus a film, right? Mm. Like this is a film and I've been watching nothing but movies. Like it was very much a character study of Oscar Mm. and going through these very close moments and the cinematography felt both epic and very, very closed in. Mm. Like I left them, I cried for like 20 minutes on the train after that movie. I was devastated, but I knew it was going to happen. It's like Hamilton. Mm. Like he's like, you know, Burr's going to shoot Hamilton and you're still crying. Yeah. Like why am I still crying? And it's because they're able to do all of this stuff where you're humanizing this person and then pulling back at the end and showing, like, the real-life politics in Oakland, like, all the protests. Mm-hmm. And that also just got me really interested in, like, the race politics of, like, the Black Lives Matter stuff and the police shootings. I lived in a neighborhood where, like, there were just police cars. Mm-hmm. It's just like, a part of living in West Philly. Mm-hmm. And it became all of a sudden this very real thing of like, oh, there's a difference in the way that I'm being policed in the way that my neighborhood's being policed. Yeah, film doesn't have to be purely for entertainment. It right. can be ideological. It can be used as um, a catalyst for rethinking how you think of the world. Uh, it's not necessarily been Hollywood scene. Like Hollywood right. does not necessarily want you to think too much <laughs> about what you're doing. They just... They want you to eat popcorn. But there are filmmakers out there who are trying to... Oh, yeah, definitely. I just wasn't exposed to it until Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Like, it's just that I didn't have the same access to it. But it also made me just go back and rewatch things that I had seen and, like, rereading things and, like, trying to, Because there are a lot of films that came before Fruitvale that did deal with politics and did deal with 
ideology and like soul food may not be the best movie in the world but there was something very powerful i think at the time of seeing films about middle class black families that was not necessarily the norm in the early 90s or even just seeing like menace to society and boys in the hood putting a human element into these narratives and like taking the fact that these are human beings who are placed in conditions where there are no opportunities. Why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. That's the problem, right? Is like the way that everything is oriented. Like those films did exist. Like I still have not seen Do the Right Thing. I haven't seen a Spike Lee film until Black Klansman, mm-hmm. which is a whole genre of things that I have missed that has mm-hmm. a, you know, has cultural critique in it. But I think it's like also hard when you grow up with a certain kind of media. I definitely wouldn't have heard about like half these movies if I didn't have a Twitter. Yeah. Instead of going top down, you're going bottom up right. with Twitter, right? Or Instagram and having like yeah. or friends YouTube. of friends yeah. circulate. Yeah. Or YouTube. And I also think that just the conversation about identity politics has exploded mm-hmm. within the past five years. And having, like, celebrities themselves talk very explicitly about things. Yeah. Um, and then just all these movies that have come out in the past month. I've watched a movie about disability and class. I've watched a movie about race and class. I've watched movies about women in relationships like there just seems Mm. to be this selection process that I don't really quite remember being as much of a thing yeah I think social media has definitely exploded because you're not just getting the gatekeepers through like premiere magazine which was like my favorite magazine when I was a kid (laughs) entertainment weekly like these like magazines that would tell you like this is what you need to watch this is what you like and you know that's also the thing with crowdsourcing like when you go to like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb like Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about specifically when Ghostbusters came out and you had all the the people the remake um and people were devastated were devastated (laughs) and before they even saw it like thumbs downed it because just the principle of it ruined their childhood i mean it's happening again right now with the little mermaid remake because they want zendaya to play her and everyone's like but she can't be black like one person wrote a whole thing of like scientifically i'm like first of all like she's a mermaid like (laughs) with a talking fish and crab as a best friend like there's nothing scientific about this film just you being like but i want my little mermaid to be white with red hair which is fine say that right or like let's play a little bit more with representation and you know like there's a really interesting film called palindromes by Todd Salons, the woman is played by like six different people, six different <laughs> actresses of various like ages, races, sizes. But there's a certain level play there that is done strategically. But you can't do that in a Hollywood film because it's really about entertaining you. Like no one's ever like screaming about that when it works the other way. Mm-hmm. And the person is getting aligned closer with like fairness or whiteness. Mm-hmm. And that's the part I think that, that bothers me more is that like it doesn't work both ways. Mm-hmm. I think one of my frustrations is that the only way that I feel like I can advocate for these films that are, like, kind of challenging norms is through the purchasing power. Mm. And I don't like activism through purchasing. (laughs) 
But that is the way. That is the way. We live in a capitalist society where it's like you get one, and so you have to go support that one. Yeah. Like if you if they make that one black film, no matter what it is, and you don't go see it, you're not getting another one next year. <laughs> and that is the problem. Where it's like I don't necessarily like this movie. I didn't necessarily want to go see it in theaters, but now I have to. Mm-hmm. Then you get a wider range where Hollywood's, or you know, in the, all these industry execs are like, oh well, this made enough money, and. You're just you're kind of banking on hoping that your money pays for your representation. For blind spotting, I went all the way to New York because it wasn't here opening weekend, mm. and I was like, and those things matter for indie films. Like how many people go see an opening weekend determines how wide it goes the next weekend. So I got on a bus, like, and I went to New York and I saw the movie, and then I watched it again once you got to Philadelphia. But like, those are the things that you do to try and in- incentivize people to like to invest in those stories. Mm-hmm. Well, because the stakes are so much higher. Yeah. Right? Like, I remember when Bridesmaids came out and just the pressure of, like, you hate women if you don't go see (laughs) this movie. Because it was, like, the first time in a long time where there was an ensemble cast of women. And it wasn't even, like, an incredibly diverse cast of women. But it was women. And then if this doesn't do well... Very much like what you said. You yeah. don't get one next year. You don't get and one. And you won't get one the year after, so you <laughs> do it. It's like I was held hostage. Yes. Do you think I let that break me? You know what I did? I pulled myself up. I studied really hard. I read every book in the library. And now, I work for the government. I have the highest possible security clearance. Don't repeat that. Mm-hmm. I can't protect you. I know where all the nukes are, and I know the codes. I mean, I went and saw it three <laughs> times in the theater. I made my, like my family watch it, and we all enjoyed it. But there was, like, a threatening way. And I feel like Ghostbusters was very similar in that mm-hmm. way of, like, if you don't see this, you don't get big blockbusters anymore. Yeah, whereas the yeah. Kevin Spacey movie, like, made, what, $160 or whatever on its first weekend. And everyone's just like, and no one's like, no more white man movies for you. <laughs> like, like none next year. We're done now. Like, and no one, because there's a thousand of them. Yeah. You can go ahead and pick one of the other 20 that came out this month and, like, support that. And then everyone's like, well, this one did fine. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter. Whereas, like, when you only have one and that one doesn't do well, it's like you you now ruined the thing for everyone else. Pop the Question is brought to you by Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. Pannoni Honors College is invested in undergraduate research, scholar development, and interdisciplinary scholarship. With students from various backgrounds and academic fields of study, the Honors College engages its community in complex ideas. Info at drexel.edu slash Pannoni. That's P-E-N-N-O-N-I. Pannoni Honors College, a place for active learning, high achievement, and community. I mean, Hollywood is not immune to saying like, hey, guess what? Look at these things that we're doing. Like, to go back to The Little Mermaid, like, look at this right. stuff. Isn't it neat? Like, <laughs> you can have, you know, a film about black people or a film about disability or a film about, a- ooh, Asian people. <laughs> we finally gave you that 25 years later. I know this much. You will never be enough. That's the, like, the whole false idea of, like, abundance, right? Like, Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, was on Twitter being like, oh, there's all these great films right now about people of color. He listed three of them and then wrote the word abundance after it. And I was like, <laughs> fam, like, there's been, like, 28 about white people in the same span of time. Like, it feels like a lot because you get 
one. Mm-hmm. We've had five in a year. And that feels like so much. Like, mm-hmm. it's like the whole Tony's thing. Like, when Hamilton and The Waitress and The Color Purple were all running at the same time, it was like, oh, how, you know, Broadway is getting this huge influx of like diversity and people of color and all these stories. And it's like, but then this season, it was like SpongeBob. And like, hey, 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 hey. The music for SpongeBob. Is it? We have <laughs> T.I. is a Broadway nominated writer. Which is ridiculous. Thank you oh. very much. <laughs> a season right like it's like we had like a season that's always the issue is with the sustainability yeah i mean like no representation is bad representation as far as like seeing people of color winning these things Mm -hmm. but at some point you're like you nominated get out because you had to (laughs) like you didn't like you like i don't feel like anyone in that like room was like this has real merit like i feel like they were like People will riot. We have, like, we have to put this up for at least two or three things or people are going to be so angry. Those academies are mostly still white people voting for things who are going to vote for things where like, you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it should be about like the merit of like, oh, well, this is really great cinematography. Or, this is great music. or This is great this. And the, you know, the Academy Awards are all about promoting the industry, yeah. right? By giving themselves awards to say it's not the outside world who's like, guess what? We've critically decided that this is the best film. Like voting for prom king and queen in order to like reboost the values of these films and to celebrate Hollywood and all of its glory. So like just really frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when, again, you are someone who loves media and you're like, but I want to see myself and I want these things to be rewarded for being great films, but Mm -hmm. also for the fact that they're like pushing against these norms. Yeah. And often it's like, it's segregated still. Like it's like, you're still trying to like, to segregate out your issues into certain bodies. Like, you mm. don't, like, if you can keep these things in boxes, then, like, you're still able to be like, oh, well, this movie says things about women. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Adding sexuality or adding poverty or adding anything else to it, it's, you're adding all these intersections where it's like, well, and now this person's just too, this is too complex of a person. They are a whole person. We can't do that. And you're not recognizing that, like, most people live at intersections of all of these issues. And so should your academy. <laughs> Can you do that? I believe we can with the right white man. We can do anything. You shouldn't have to pick an identity and, st- and like stick with it in hopes of like just getting that represented. Yeah, it's like you're starving. Right. So any morsel of food is delicious. And it's like these tiny steps where you're like, well, like that's that's one thing that we got. You know, it's constantly this whole thing of like one step forward and two steps back where you're like fighting these influences again of like the complex as a whole. And you you are constantly hoping just for something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about it and I think like Barry Jenkins and Ava DuVernay have done some great work. Ryan Coogler, I think, has done a lot of good stuff. I think that what he does within the constraints given by Mm. the studios and by like these capitalist enterprises highlight how you can make something effective, lightly political, can reframe understandings of like who can participate in these systems Mm -hmm. and challenge conventions in different ways. How many times do I have to teach you? Just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved. You are teaching me. What do you know? More than you. Specificity has been what's making these films, I think, go as far as they are. Mm-hmm. Black Klansman is about a specific story of one police officer. And Sorry to Bother You is about a specific kind of like speculative future of Oakland. Like it's not mm-hmm. actually, it's not like current day Oakland. And like Blind Spotting, it's like these two 
people. Like, it's all about specificity instead of being, like, here's the general experience for these people yeah. and hoping you can kind of do a catch-all. And then the problem is that you're missing these nuances. They really seem to be about character development. Like, mm-hmm. actually, like, paying attention to the – like, instead of working on stereotypes and using shorthand, there's, like, a real attempt, it seems to me, to really, like, flush out, like you said, the nuances, the dynamics, the motivations. What is also important to note is that those stories are very different stories. Yes. And it's not just like, hey, we gave you, like, four films about gang violence. Right. They all have people of color in them. Like, this is what you wanted. Like, it's just, there's a plurality there. And that's what mm. I'm, I'm kind of excited that I can go to the theater and there's, like, eighth grade about girlhood. Um, so to have more narratives means that people can kind of intersect differently and have that specificity that allows for, like, a plurality of experience instead of just, like, monoliths, which mm-hmm. is never good because nobody lives in like an overarching clean yeah. narrative in that and yeah, it allows yourself allows you to see yourself in people who maybe don't look exactly like you but who are experiencing similar things yeah you can be like oh well all of these kind of categories are things that i am dealing with even if this person is not a woman or this person is not black or whatever those things yeah, yeah. are you have to reframe this idea of like what movies are like they are made a lot of times for entertainment but that there's more going on there's more complexity that they're a commercial entity, that they are an ideological entity, that they are advocating certain things, that they're made for like a globalized audience. So it's sometimes made for you, but sometimes not made for you. Like there are a lot of these intricacies that are really hard to explain for people who just want to feel pleasure. It's like I want to be plugged into the machine Mm -hmm. and pay money to feel pleasure. I think we also have to accept that popular culture is popular. Like movies are not meant to accomplish everything. Like part of the responsibility is on us. Like part of the responsibility is to find these texts. Part of our responsibility is to find the things that help us as consumers learn more about other people's lives or build empathy and some of that requires going back into the history books and finding like the women the people of color who Mm -hmm. helped advance filmmaking and filmmaking practices and also being willing to like critique the thing even after you've seen it there's like the whole dichotomy of like either it's the best thing you've ever seen in the world or it's the worst thing ever it's people are not willing to live in the like that was fine you know or was entertaining or like it served its purpose or whatever but like being able to critique something even if it is the only one you get yeah. Or just accepting that you might like something that is problematic. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And not good for you. But, like, <laughs> you're still going to watch it. And thank God for, like, Roxanne Gay for writing Bad Feminist, where, like, she really outlines the ways in which you can participate and love popular culture while also acknowledging that it's not. Right. It's not all going to be great. But, like, you can still love Law & Order. <laughs> Like, rom-coms. I'm not going to stop watching rom-coms. Oh, no, you shouldn't. I've accepted that, and, like, I understand why they're, it's problematic, but I'm not going to stop watching those things. Mm-hmm. But, like, everything doesn't have to be, like, a political statement. No. Well, Vaishira, thanks for sitting down and talking to us about all the things. You're welcome. Putting this in the record, officially. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Always. Pop. The question was researched and hosted by Dr. Melinda Lewis. Our audio engineering and theme was produced by Brian Cantoric. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy-Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paul Moran's Cohen, and the Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. What are we talking about? Practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about
Chaves, né? 